Hey everyone, Rebecca here with a content warning. In this episode, we talk about mental illness and the harmful ways that the church handles mental illness. supposed to say it now yep <laughs> rattled it's so good when lakin says it <laughs> i feel like lakin originated the word like coined the word rattled truly that's an honorable mention <laughs> i don't know if it's yeah. true but feels like you definitely popularized in- it maybe it's been implanted in my soul since the moment i was born i swear <laughs> is that just being irritated enough to be rattled from the inside out. Wow. <laughs> a constant state of rattled. <laughs> Basically. A, a constant state of rattled. I love that. <laughs> that's the t-shirt that we're going to buy oh, for the that's podcast. Good. That's good. Merch um, coming soon. <laughs> yeah. um, today we have a special guest, our good friend, Lakin McDowell. Everyone say hi to Lakin. Katie <laughs> threw the applause. <laughs> Thanks for that standing ovation. I feel yeah. like I earned it. <laughs> she really did. It's like um I this is such a tangent, but I started reading Mark this week and it's like the moment when Jesus get baptized and God says, You're my son who I love, and he didn't even do anything yet. You get an applause emoji on Zoom before you even say any words. That's how much That's we love awesome. you. Again. <laughs> Great parallel. <laughs> Thank you. Just popped in. Um, yes, yeah, so we have our friend Lakin on this week. I'm super excited. Lakin is a near and dear friend of mine. Um, Lakin, how long have we known each other now? How long have we been friends? Like, um, I remember when I first became a leader, you were in my cabin at a leader tree. And that was like the fall of 2015, no, the spring of 2016, I think. Wow, so we're five friends. years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I guess, yeah, it must be, must be then. That's beautiful. Yeah, Lakin is just one of my favorite people. She's hilarious and so wise and so passionate, so powerful um just the coolest person I am so thankful to be friends with her because she makes me better every single day so I love Lincoln dearly <laughs> I'm throwing up more <laughs> cloth emojis oh, man. yeah Lincoln's the best and yeah. also sends in the best responses to all of our questions totally I always look forward to <laughs> when I get the notification that Lincoln sent one in oh man wow. like this is gonna I'm be always- a good one just shocked when you guys read them I'm like that was a tirade I cannot believe you read that but I'm always flattered that's what makes them so good though when you just go off fully unfiltered we love yeah. it yeah like an unfiltered um and it was actually Lakin's um ingeniousness 
and passion that is bringing her onto the podcast today. So I'm very excited about that as well. She was like, you guys should talk about this because I think it's a big topic. And we were like, you're absolutely right, Lincoln, and you are the right person to come on and talk about it. So we will get into that later, but I'm very excited that Lincoln is joining us. Um, Lincoln, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are? Tell us your life story. Okay. <laughs> well, my name is Lakin. I'm 23. I live in Langley. Well, I do, ha- I do half my year, like seven months of the year, I'm in Langley. And then like five months of the year over the summer, I'm in Oliver. That started last year. Uh, Oliver is a small town just outside of a Soyuz and just south of Kelowna, if people know where that is. But it's, a, it's like a winery town. My parents own a winery there. So that's fun. And um, I work there in the summertime. Um, So that's what I do in the summer. And then like in the fall and winter and spring, I am a student. I study accounting. I'm almost done. I have like just a couple more semesters left to do. And um, no, I don't like it. No, I do not (laughs) want to be an accountant. (laughs) But I'm doing that is what I'm doing in school. So... (laughs) just really interesting um at this point it's more of like a pride point where I'm like I can't quit I've already been doing it for like six years so I'm here doing it still um but I also work for a nonprofit. um I do administrative work for them that's what I do like while I'm in school to get paid money so I can buy gas um and then to do some ministry (laughs) yeah yeah literally and then and then in my spare time I um do ministry with middle schoolers so I hang out with grade six to eight girls and do life with them and they're so funny and fun and I also in my spare time write content for the church that I go to for the women's ministry which I just started doing, but it's really fun and creative, and I love it. Wow. I like wow. What a Overqualified for this podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I'm just going along day by day. Aren't we all? Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, thanks for coming on, Lincoln. You're just, you're just a joy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, we love to start our guest podcasts with things that are rattling us this week. Um, Lincoln or Katie, do you have something that you would like to share about what is rattling you this week? Um, <clears throat> I don't know why I was surprised to get asked this question. And then <laughs> I was like, what? I don't know. But I actually do have one. Okay, awesome. I'm rattled that gas prices have gone up. And yes. I, I'm really upset actually. <laughs> They're so I nearly expensive. cried filling up my car. My one of my friends, like when I first moved here, um, he had moved to BC a year before I moved out here. And we were talking about gas prices, and he was like, Yeah, honestly, Katie, like you just kind of have to accept it. Because you're just going to be mad every time you go to the gas pump <laughs> and it's not worth it. You just need to accept the new normal. And I was like, honestly, that's really good advice. But I don't know. Today really like hurt filling up. 
heard bad. <laughs> yeah. I'd forgotten. But that's been rattling me. That's fair. So expensive. A good answer. <laughs> um, <clears throat> wow, a lot has been rattling me this week. But I'm like the type of person who gets irritated like immediately and then it only lasts for like 15 seconds and then I'm like, okay, I'm good now. <laughs> so that happens to me like a hundred times a day. Today, I, I left the house once to go get bubble tea and I was driving along and I, I'm not like a fast driver. I'm never in a rush when I'm driving. So it's not even like, I'm like, everyone around me is slow. But I was coming through an intersection and someone turned right in front of me and they were, and then they were driving really slow. Like I was like, you should, you should know that I'm coming. Did you not look for me? Or are you just like, oh, everyone should slow down when I come around the corner? Like, I don't, it just got me so choked for like just a few seconds. And then I was like, this couldn't matter less. Like, it doesn't matter. I slowed down from like 65 to like 45. But I was like, why did that decision get made? And then they didn't speed up. And I was tailgating them and they didn't speed up. Like, they continued wow. to go at that speed. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That rattled me today. That is rattling. I it's also the worst when someone turns right in front of you and then well, I'm just saying this because this happened to me today. (laughs) They turn right in front of you and then they have like a huge trailer. And I'm like, well now I can't see. You could have turned after me, but now I can't see a thing. Like, come (laughs) on, man. I was the bad driver today. (laughs) Oh no. And there's like a light, I don't understand. I don't understand that like maybe it's an intersection. It's just like the chaos that is the 104th exit. And there's like a million lanes and they all yes. lead somewhere. But um, there's this light there to turn like left into Guilford. And I was waiting there and it's usually quite long, but it kept like, I'm kid you not, four songs, four songs. And it still hadn't turned advanced green. And I was like looking in my rear view mirror and there's like a huge line of cars. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like they're going to honk at me. But I literally like my eyes are wide open trying to like <laughs> make sure I don't miss this green light. Um, and I'm so stressed out. And I'm like, do I just go on a red? I don't know. And then this guy like pulls up beside me and he's like starts pointing in front of me and he's like pointing, pointing, pointing. And I'm like, what? And then he's like go forward and then I so apparently it's like censored so then I had to like yeah I didn't know this and then (laughs) I had to like go forward and then it was like almost immediate and I was like (laughs) wow I just made like so many people probably like 20 minutes late (laughs) like I'm so sorry and I had to like drive in utter shame and embarrassment (laughs) the guy was like super chill about it though he was like laughing with me but I felt really bad about like the 20 cars behind me (laughs) <laughs> oh wow. so embarrassing yeah Ugh. those uh advanced sensors really get you sometimes they do <laughs> that's the worst the driving in shame is the worst yeah, yeah. Like, like i can't go anywhere so many people just witnessed that and they're immediately around me and these <laughs> and they're looking in at you yeah and you're trying not to like you're like just so concentrated yeah. looking ahead but right your face forward. is like bright red oh <laughs> yeah you're do you ever turn down the music yeah you're like I don't know what song I'm listening to 
like originally when you were at the light you were listening to like cardi b and like blasting it or something and then you do the dumb thing and you're like oh no they can't know they can't know that i was trying to be a boss they can't know yeah it was driver's license for me (laughs) today (laughs) uh but no shame there it's a bop it's a bop i love it that is a perfect song choice (laughs) (laughs) for that moment i agree (laughs) Uh, what about you, Becca? Um, I am back on Bumble <laughs> these days, and I'm doing it purely for the memes because my roommate Rachel and I have gotten so bored in quarantine, <laughs> so we thought we'd just do it. So I have a few um, Bumble profile lols to share today. Um... The first one is actually from Hinge, but I'm saying goodbye to Hinge soon. But the prompt is, I'll brag about you to my friends if, and he said, no, no, I won't. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) That one got me good. Um... (laughs) I'll read one out and then this has happened a few times I've come across a profile that says like whatever pretty normal very easygoing tell me what's the craziest thing you've done and then at the end it says if we get a match would you mind sending me a message first this app is weird like no that's how the app works (laughs) that's what that's what Bumble is actually like there's all these guys that are like I can't message these girls (laughs) and they're literally putting it in their bio like I've literally come across like three guys that have said that in (laughs) (laughs) like that has to be a joke no it it has to be it is insanely genuine (laughs) there is no safer situation (laughs) to speak to someone of the opposite gender (laughs) then over text like <laughs> yeah i know there's no risk oh, oh my gosh wow that's that's so funny <laughs> you send me a message first this app isn't working for me uh no it's actually working exactly the way that it's supposed to <laughs> you should put that in your bio becca yeah <laughs> just a heads I'm up messaging you, this app is working the way it's supposed to <laughs> um i have one more to share that we just saw just before I came on this call um if I had three wishes I'd wish for Mars terraformation a decent space travel technology to send a lot of people to Mars and something I'm not gonna say (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh so that's what's out there in the dating pool on Bumble right now. It is a good time. It's worth it for the memes for sure. If you're willing to endure the shirtless pictures and the fish pictures, you get some good good nuggets like that. Holy. <laughs> what is a Mars terraformation? Does anyone know? <laughs> it's like when you chain it's like what people want to do at mars when they make it like earth 
like they make it oh. hospitable for humans oh. it's like have you ever seen the movie martian yes the matt damon i think it is. i didn't realize there was a word for that hmm. yeah i thought it was just, just like, like populated making houses on yeah. mars <laughs> mars terraformation i think that's what they called it at first but then they were like we need a smaller word for this <laughs> yeah that's fair <laughs> So the full description of what it is. Yeah. True. Someone needs to make a, a formation parody by Beyonce for a Mars terraformation. <laughs> is that a done? Becca, you should do that. What the heck? That would be amazing. <laughs> anyway, so that's what's rattling me. Um, if you need a good lol, DM me and I'll send you some some bumble screenshots because they're just getting me going these days all right um lakin we would love to know what is rattling you about church christianity church culture etc um a lot uh (laughs) but a lot the past couple weeks and well yeah over the past couple weeks for sure I've been thinking a lot about uh, mental health and my own journey with mental health and how Christians in my life and the church as like an organization has interacted with that in my life and then in some of the lives of the people around me and how it's not great um so that's that's what I've been quite rattled about lately. Mm. Do you want me to say more things? Yeah, tell us a little more about about what is coming up for you, how you maybe would have liked to be <laughs> treated or talked to about these things. Um <clears throat> okay. Um well, I guess I'll start by giving a disclaimer slash explanation. First of all, I am not a psychologist or a counselor or anything like that. I am also not a theologian or a pastor or anything like that. I'm just a person who loves Jesus a lot and really likes following him and really believes in him. And a person who also, at the same time as that being fully true, also struggles with mental health quite a bit especially depression lately. And I've also had quite a journey of ups and downs with anxiety. Um, So I just, that's like where I'm coming from in this. So I don't really have anything clinical to say, Um, but I do have a lot of experience talking to people in the church and outside of the church about these things. I think something that's been coming up a lot lately um, that I've kind of realized is a huge issue is um, the issue of toxic positivity and also um, I don't know what the word I was looking for so we'll just say toxic positivity is what I'm rattled about (laughs) and I think toxic positivity which I guess I'll explain what that is is when when it's like what we do as a society and especially as a church, but it happens outside of the church too, when we want to be so optimistic. And so we refuse to acknowledge the things that are hard. For Mm -hmm. example, 
if you have a friend and maybe you're having a tough day and you say like, oh man, I just like, I hate school today. I'm just really frustrated because my professor's being stupid or something like that, or my group project's hard. And then your friend says, oh, well, like, you know, at least you aren't living in a country where women can't go to school. Like you should be thankful. And it's like, dude, I know that. Like, I'm just trying to say that I'm like frustrated right now. You don't need to like, you don't need to make me feel better about it. It just like, I just am frustrated right now. So that's what, that's kind of what toxic positivity is with like kind of a lame example. But um, I think it's a huge issue in the church, uh, especially when it comes to the idea of healing and prayer and how they kind of Mm. have taken over the conversation in terms of mental health to say like, well, Jesus wants us to be joyful and to have peace and he promises us those things. And so if you pray the right way and you just focus on the good in life and you, and you find joy no matter what your circumstances are and you find peace no matter what your circumstances are and you trust Jesus and you put your hope into him and you learn to lean on him, then you, then you can't feel sad anymore because, you know, the classic line, you know, where Jesus dwells, disease cannot, where Jesus dwells, sadness cannot, and things like that. But I just don't think that's true. And I think it just glosses over, first of all, truth about human emotion and Mm. human experience, and also biblical truth about lament and about mourning and about how Jesus wants to meet us in all of our seasons in life and how there is you know, a season for mourning and a season for dancing and and how God designed things that way. And yeah, to not want to talk about any of those things or to not want to honor those, I think is doing a huge disservice to biblical truth and the way mm-hmm. God designed us as humans and designed life on this earth. So those are my scattered thoughts about <laughs> the church's interesting response to people with mental health struggles Mm. yeah it's making me think of like the toxic positivity thing is like so it's so like ingrained in like christian culture when you're talking about that i'm like that literally is the only experience that i think i've had in church is like don't be sad like Jesus died for you or like it like you're there's only joy if you know Jesus like if you don't have joy then you've got to run in with the enemy so you need to pray that away and if you're not like experiencing joy then you're not whatever like being aware of the enemy enough because you're not joyful like because you're not leaning on Jesus enough like everything sort of just comes back to this um I don't know idea that if you know Jesus you're always like this happy-go-lucky sunshine person but like you said that's just not that's not how people work like we're not robots we are living a life that's hard Yeah. 
Yeah, I was thinking about like um, a lot of that time, like when people have that like over positivity about things or outlooks on mental health like that. And I'm like, you're often coming out of like a place of privilege when you're saying those things because you haven't experienced like depression or anxiety, not to say that you haven't experienced like feelings of those, but you actually haven't been in the like pit of what mental illness is. And so to me, it's like, it's a very like privileged kind of way of talking about it, especially if you are like in upfront leadership and you know, you're giving a sermon that's very like, well, if you do these things, like you shouldn't be feeling those things if you're doing these things right. So therefore it's like now on you. And I think that's just like a very toxic way of looking at what this is. And like, there's so much like study out there on mental illness. And it's like, you wouldn't say to that to someone who's like, I have an open wound on my hand. That's like bleeding out. Like, Oh, well, if you just like prayed a little harder, like it probably would stop. Like, no, like, like you're going to go to the doctor and you're going to get it stitched up because that's what makes sense. But we have this like very interesting look on mental illness that doesn't always make sense to me and how we like approach it. And then I think it comes off like extremely harmful. I was listening to, not by choice, but I was listening to the sermon the other day and he was talking about like how it's very selfish and narcissistic of us as a society to like go to counseling because it's very like, it's all about me. And it's like this, the way that he framed it was like, it's very selfish. And I was like, holy, you have to, like either you're very unaware of yourself and which is very dangerous in leadership if you have no self-awareness um because i think if that's your perspective on counseling you should also probably go to counseling but you're also communicating to so many people that trust you that um it's selfish for you to like take care of yourself in a holistic way which is what god tells us to do so like like that really like shook me when I was listening to that and I was like it's just sad because you have a lot of people that already feel shame about mental health and counseling and there's a stigma and now you've you've pushed them further down that road and shame just distanced you from God like that's all it does and now you're like reinforcing that and it's just yeah sorry that was like a tangent but it's just really sad more than anything I think it's just sad well that's hectic (laughs) someone would say that yeah and it was sad too because it was like a very well-known pastor with huge influence (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts about everything you just said (laughs) perfect uh i also realized the word i was looking for earlier was toxic productivity which we can talk about in a bit if you want but um i think um yes what i was gonna say was it's like fascinating how um how i think most counselors maybe is the word I'm looking for counselors would look at mental 
illness or like even just mental health struggles um, would look at it as something very clinical. Like they would see it as something to be treated by a professional um, and dealt with in, in a really specific way. Um, and it's fascinating and slightly horrifying how as a society, we've decided that mental health is not at all the same thing as physical health. And as a church, we've like, instead of being like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Let's love people anyway and like help them be the best version of themselves that we can. Like the church has also just bought into this idea of like, well, if you're depressed, you should probably just get out of bed and like make a salad and you'll feel better. And, but if someone was sick, like even with a cold, they'd be like, oh man, like you should really rest up. Like, don't feel like you have to like go to work today. don't feel like you have to do anything. And we've just decided like, first of all, we just treat these as two completely separate issues, even though arguably we have the same amount of control over whether we are afflicted with these things or not. Like, sure, you can, you can take all the preventative measures you want, but sometimes you're still gonna get a cold or you might get a more serious disease or something like that. And it's the same with mental health. I mean, sure, you can take all the right precautions and I don't know, do whatever self-care or eat healthy or exercise or whatever to take care of your brain. But sometimes you're just, sometimes you're just like born with things that are going on in your brain chemistry. And also sometimes things happen to you, traumatic things happen to you outside of your control that make you really sad for a long time. And like, there's nothing you can do about that. And that's not your fault. And then you just have to deal with it on the other side. And like, yeah. And I think that's why I get so frustrated with the idea of like churches and pastors perpetuating the idea that if you just prayed the right way or prayed hard enough or asked God the right way or pursued God or learned how to lean on him the right way or became a better Christian, then you wouldn't be feeling this way because that doesn't that's not true. And that doesn't make sense at all. And sometimes God doesn't heal people. I don't know why. I guess no one knows why. And it's his own will and it's his own decision. Sometimes you pray really, really hard and someone doesn't get healed. Sometimes you pray a little bit and someone does get healed. So I'm not saying like, well, mental illness or like mental health struggles or depression or whatever you like label, whatever you're dealing with. I'm not saying like, oh, that will last forever. Now that you have it, you aren't going to get better. Like it's too late. Maybe it will. Like, I don't know. But also maybe it won't. So I don't know. I just think churches like peddle this idea that they would never peddle about physical ailments. Like, they would never say that you aren't praying the right way or you aren't praying enough. They might say we should pray more because it could be good. And that could be, that's true about mental illness I think as well but yeah I'm just tired of them being treated as two separate issues when I'm like I feel like I struggle with this and I feel like I work really hard for this not to be a thing and it is consistently all the time and it might be for the next 80 years I don't know but 
yeah, all I can do is like take it one day at a time and like, sure, let people pray for me if they like are excited about praying for me and I can like have hope and trust in Jesus, but I can also know that sometimes he doesn't heal things and that I, as a follower of him, as someone who I trust him and I love him and I know that if he wanted to heal me, he would. So I don't really need to be upset or like have it shake my faith when it doesn't work. Mm. But I could see the other side of that is that there are lots of people who that would shake their faith and that would make them not trust Jesus. If someone was like, well, you're not praying hard enough. You're not praying right. They might think, well, then Jesus isn't real because I'm praying, (laughs) you know, I'm praying and it's not working. Uh, So I think that's a huge issue as well. Something that I'm realizing, I've realized sort of over the last few months, but it is actually really magnified in this conversation is that like in church and specifically when the message comes from the front of the stage um, or like people in leadership that they're utilizing this like idea that they're speaking for God in that moment and that they like can perfectly translate God's thoughts and feelings and their translation of that is going to be complete and utter truth and so when spiritual leaders use like wield the power of God in their arguments for things it's so it makes things hit so heavy even when they're wrong obviously like that's how church becomes so abusive is because you're like saying that god says these things (laughs) when you actually don't understand who god is really like you have ideas about him but so yeah, it's just, it's hectic when in this conversation, especially because, yeah, like you're saying, like, and people will say, oh, you're not praying hard enough or like, God will heal you if you pray this way. Like, you don't know that. Like, why are you wielding God's like name and power to say something that you actually don't know? but then again like and I've done this as well like these people are convinced that they do know that that is the truth so that's because other people have told them that that's how God works and again like wielding this power um so that is frustrating to me (laughs) um but I think when it comes to mental health specifically it's like people really feel the brunt of that like you're saying like oh my gosh I'm not praying hard enough or like when am I praying wrong that God wouldn't want to heal me like I feel ostracized I feel not good enough I feel left out because apparently I'm not doing this properly because dude on stage told me that God says xyz 
Yeah, and the issue of, uh, of, uh, well, like if it's not working, it just means that you don't have enough faith. Like you're yes. doubting too much. Yeah. That's why your prayers aren't coming true. It's because you doubt that God can do it. <laughs> that really irks me. Uh, it's just so, you- like, it's so manipulative. Like that's true. It's like, it, like it is spiritual abuse. I, like mm-hmm. that's what it is. Like you, and again, I, it, I think it comes from like, majority of people speaking this message are usually men and a lot of white men and I'm not saying like white men don't struggle with mental health I think they do but if it's not affecting them in that way like obviously they're not communicating in a way that like can empathize or even have some understanding of like what someone else is going through and so this like toxic message just keeps getting like replayed over and over again or even maybe for them personally too, like if they have struggled with mental health, like I'm assuming they're not dealing with it in a way that it needs to be dealt with more of a, like, I'm just going to push that aside. And then that's, I think when we see like other abuses happen in church and other things coming to light, it's like, Oh, you're actually not okay. But I don't know if you know how to like care for yourself in a holistic way. Mm. So I like it, it does make me sad because I don't think it's like necessary. I don't want to say like, yeah, I think we all should take responsibility when we've hurt people and I don't want to make excuses, but I think it's just like an unhealthy culture of not understanding like how to healthily and properly holistically care for mental illness. Cause clearly the <laughs> just get up doesn't like, it doesn't work or help anyone Mm -hmm. yeah we have this like weird we've talked about it but in church and outside of church we have this weird culture of just despising anything that has anything to do with vulnerability and trust Mm -hmm. me because I am like allergic to vulnerability uh it's horrible to me uh, like true deep vulnerability but um yeah we have this like weird thing where we don't want to be vulnerable because we don't want to be seen as weak and the church is in my experience doing nothing to encourage people to be vulnerable and to encourage people that um their weakness is like healthy normal and like it's compatible with the gospel like paul talks about in second corinthians second corinthians 10 i might have misquoted that but uh he says something like um he rejoices in his weakness because where i'm weak there i am made strong and he's basically saying like if i didn't have weakness then god wouldn't be able to meet me anywhere and he wouldn't be able to do anything for me and 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 notice that what paul is saying is not i need to notice my weaknesses so that i can so that i can self care my way out of them and so that i can fix them and so that i can be productive or ignore them or avoid scenarios where they come up or something he's literally just saying i have weaknesses and god meets me in them and he like provides for me and supports me and comforts me like there's so many 
situations in the Bible. And this is like so close to my heart. I love scripture. I'm again, not a theologian, but I do love scripture. And something about my own like mental health journey changed so much when I read the story of Hannah in first Samuel. Sorry if there's listeners who aren't Bible people. Um, just bear with me for a second because there's a good story in first Samuel right at the beginning there's a woman named Hannah she's really sad she's depressed because she can't have a kid and at that time having a kid is like everything if you're a woman and you can't have a kid then you're like basically useless by society standards which of course is horrifying but um anyway she's like so sad and then she like goes to pray and she just wants a kid like more than anything and there's a lot about the story that I can unpack, but I won't. And she like gets on her knees or whatever and is weeping and crying and praying to the Lord. And she has so many great lines where she like, the priest is like, first of all, are you drunk? Because you're acting so crazy right now in the middle of this like church or whatever. And she's like, I'm not drunk. I'm just so sad that I'm like weeping so hard and praying so hard, like pouring out my heart. And then like the end of the story is that God like answers her prayer and she gets pregnant with a baby named Samuel. That's why it's, the book is called that anyway. But I think that like changed so much because God doesn't ask her to not be sad. And when you read stories all over the Bible, there are so many stories of people being sad about things, about big things and small things. And it really seems like God isn't, God never says, well, you should be happy because I'm in your life or you should be happy because you should have better faith in me. He just, they, it's always like they mourned and wept and tore their clothes or whatever the like line is. And then eventually like the story moves on and then they're in their next like battle or whatever they're doing. But he doesn't ask them to be anything but what they're feeling and then mm. you see the new testament when we meet jesus and we get to have this like personal relationship with god in the flesh and and it's like he re- he's happy for our weaknesses and we are happy for our weaknesses because he like honors them and is like cool with us being sad about things and being weak and it helps us be closer to him just by because we know like when I cry, he like hears my my tears, like he feels my tears and he sees me. And when I ask him for things, like, or I just tell him how I'm feeling, he's listening. And he again, he doesn't ask us to like be anything other than what we what we are. Like he just meets us where we're at. So I don't know how the like church and like the like leadership of church has gotten this like idea of like if you're sad, you're doing something wrong and you need to fix it because you don't know who Jesus is and you aren't close to him if you don't fix it. Where did that come from? I don't know, but it's, it doesn't feel biblically true to me at all. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. <laughs> I, like, I like when you finish what you're saying and you just give us a nod. That's like, and that's on that. Yeah. <laughs> Well said, friend. Well said. <laughs> Hard to add to that. Hard to add to that. So good. Um, should we, I think this might be a good time, actually, a good 
transition point. Um, some of what Lakin is saying um, was said by some of our friends who sent in responses on Instagram. So maybe we can dive into those a little bit. Yeah, um, the responses were awesome. And I think I just want to say to it, it like makes me sad because it's a lot of people with very similar experiences in their uh, walk of faith and just... Um, yeah, just felt very heavy, like reading all of them and like, man, like, how did we, <laughs> like you said, like, and like, how did we get here when this is just not the intention? And, um, I just think when I read them all, I just thought of shame and I just think of how destructive shame is in our walk with God and mm-hmm. in community and all these things. And yeah, I don't know. I hope like any takeaway from today is no feeling of shame and a feeling of like this is a normal thing that everyone goes through to some extent and and like god wants us to pursue healing in all this which i'm sure we'll talk about but i don't know disclaimer (laughs) um but yeah we a lot of them very similar but um i think the first one a lot of what you're saying like can kind of um gives into it a bit but um a lot of like diminishing things or um somehow made like them a bad christian if um they weren't trusting god enough with their anxiety or um praying to that like if you pray enough you fix it if you trusted in him you wouldn't feel this way um or the shame that comes with telling people that there must be something wrong with their relation with God so all of those things there's like many people that said those um yeah I don't know is there anything like I think we unpacked that a bit but maybe if there's something like encouraging we could leave with them I don't know I don't know if that sentence made sense it probably didn't (laughs) um I can try to be encouraging I don't know again I'm not like a counselor so take it with a grain of salt but (laughs) yeah I would say that if you're one of those people who wrote in about that or you're someone else who's listening to this and you're like feeling this way or these things are resonating with you just first of all know that you're not alone like that's also a horrible thing that the enemy wants you to feel like you're alone and like no one will understand you and he wants to keep you in shame so first of all know that you don't have to feel like you're just sad like you or you're just like worried about something like you don't have to feel like that makes you not normal or like or anything like that you know you don't have to feel alone you aren't alone and and more than like not only are other people experiencing this with you but you aren't alone because Jesus like is in that with you and again sorry if you're not a bible person (laughs) but it's true. Even if you are not a Bible person, Jesus like sees you when you're crying alone in your room at night or whatever you're dealing with, like you aren't alone. So Mm. I don't know. That's my like one thing of encouragement, maybe hopefully that feels encouraging. And then also, yeah, I think, I think we've said, I think I've said a lot about it, but don't feel like you have to feel positive all the time first of all it's not human and normal that's not human and that's not normal to feel like positive all the time you're lying to yourself and if 
if you are like, well, I know this person is pretty positive all the time, they are lying. (laughs) (laughs) And that will catch up to them because you can't Mm -hmm. feel that way all the time. You have to like feel all your emotions sometimes. So um, yeah, don't let anybody tell you that you aren't, don't let anybody tell you that you aren't a good Christian or a good person because you're being negative or something like that. Like you, you're just like being true to your experience as a human. And anybody who tries to take that away from you is like lying to you or lying to themselves or both. So that's what I have to say about that. I don't know if any of that was encouraging. (laughs) It was. I really appreciate what you said about like, it's okay to be like negative (laughs) I think that's like an important thought as well like and I don't know like I think there's just this culture of like well you're you know you're Christian so you gotta be happy and you gotta be stoked and like and even when and not just like sadness but even in anger or frustration like I think there's a lot of filtering of like you need to act this way don't get too mad don't get too emotional don't get too whatever and it's exactly what you're saying like um, no, <laughs> you see all of those emotions throughout the Bible. And I don't know, God intended that when he made us, God's like, they're going to feel things and they need to feel things and it's okay. Yeah. And also there are so many stories in the Bible of, of like God's people crying out to him because they're in anguish, because they're in different circumstances that make them sad, that make them angry, that make them worried. And, and then that's how God delivers them, or that's how God answers their prayers. And again, I can't stress this enough. He doesn't ask them to be happy first, and then he'll answer their prayers. Or you're being really negative right now. I'll come and meet you, or I'll be your God again when you stop being so negative. Like that just doesn't happen in the Bible and it doesn't happen. That's not true for real life. In fact, like I said before, in your weakness is the best place where God can meet you in my opinion. So yeah, I'm with you. (laughs) I also would say like with the um, always be happy, always be stoked, never be negative mentality is that that like covers up abuse as well like you're like well don't say anything negative like get on board man well it's like dude we can't what if that was like what that person said or what that person did was incredibly traumatic for me or this group of people like I can't be stoked (laughs) about that can't be stoked about supporting that person or this organization so it's part of the like cycle of abuse that the church has gone through a lot is like be stoked or you're a bad person of faith those aren't Mm -hmm. those aren't two options that i want (laughs) Mm -hmm. or the uh this is just another layer that might be rattling but the fact of like be strong all the time, don't be so emotional, is, in my opinion, an inherently misogynistic point of view to have when historically women are consistently attacked, historically and modern day, women are being attacked all over the place for being 
too angry or too emotional or get called bad mean names that are misogynistic and then they you just want to shut off women's emotions because they're too loud and because they have too many opinions yeah and I think that that's whenever I hear someone say stop being so negative or something to me I'm like that feels like an attack against women throughout all of history so (laughs) I don't or women and not only women but you know other people who have been marginalized and oppressed too are always told to shut up and stop being so negative and be grateful for what they have yeah and so and that's trying to diminish like an emotional truth about them so that's a privileged thing too I think and I, I totally agree what you said about abuse and how any sort of silencing is just yucky just not good indeed yeah it's I I mean wow we could go on forever on this because there's so much there but like it's true like I remember in um when I was in bible college (laughs) I've just had so many things man um but yeah like uh, a lot of my friends were going through a lot of mental health things and I brought it up to my program director because um like what you said about toxic productivity of like I've seen that a lot where it's like oh, like my people are burning out. I'm burning out. And there's consequences of that, like in your mental health. And, but then it's like this glorified thing. And so when I made that known to my like program director and I was like hurting for my friends and myself and like, so I was very emotional. I hate saying that word sometimes, but and he, and like, just that, like, I don't, you're being too emotional, Katie, like, you need to calm down, like, and then this, like, implicate in, what's the word I'm looking for? You're implying, like, it really changed the way that he viewed me in, like, leadership, because I had a Mm. pretty big, like, leadership role in that program as well, and just the narrative that, like, women are too emotional to lead, and I'm, like, I, like, I'm sorry that I'm, like, I can't help like if I could not cry to make you take me seriously, like I would do that. And I find that often with me, like I, when I get mad, that's just like a big, I can't help it. I literally try so hard. I'm like, I know if I cry in this meeting or in this hard conversation, like people are not going to take me seriously. And so I like, I have to like, I don't know, turn it off, but like, it's impossible. And I'm like, what kind of narrative is this? Like that I can't just be expressive in what I'm feeling or people are going to like look at me differently it's so like wild (laughs) the more that you think about it I laugh as a defense mechanism absolutely (laughs) but can I say one more thing about this yeah and another layer of like I don't know misogyny or like feminine like women culture is this thing that we all seem to have, I have had so many conversations with friends about this the last like six months because I started noticing it, how we just don't even take time to let someone else gaslight us anymore. Like we'll just gaslight ourselves. Like as soon as we start experiencing an emotion, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm getting so emotional on this. Like I totally need to learn how to like control my emotions better. I had a friend like two days ago text me saying she was like angry about something super like really valid to be angry about and like some idiot boy was being a complete idiot 
And she was like, oh man, I really need to like learn to manage my emotions better. I was such a mess at work today. I was like, um, this guy literally just took you for a ride for like six months and screwed you around. And you're like, and like the, I don't know, whatever consequences of that have come around and you're finally like seeing through it. This is a horrifying experience for you that picks up on trauma that you've experienced in your past. Now this guy's, this new guy is doing something horrible to you as well. And you're upset at work. So you're a little bit impatient with the customers and you're blaming your own mismanagement of your emotions. Hello, like no one had to tell you to gaslight yourself there. I was like, hello, you were allowed to be like, you're first of all allowed to be mad. I'm mad at this guy. Don't tell me where he lives. I'll key his car, (laughs) first of all. Second of all, like don't gaslight yourself. This is what I've been telling my friends for like six months because I have so many great Christian, lovely female friends and every single one of them, when they feel anything negative, their first reaction is to apologize for it. Either to me to be like, oh, sorry, I'm venting. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'm your friend. I want to be here for you. Or to like apologize to like the universe for experiencing something that isn't like joy and for not, and for being, especially if it has to do with a boy, for not like, making all the excuses in the world for him. Like, sorry, you treated me like dirt for six months and now like, I'm a little bit upset about it because I've given you so many chances. Like, we just, we have this thing that gets hardwired in us. And by the time you hit your twenties, you no one has to do it to you. You do it to yourself. Like you gaslight yourself to be like, oh, well, you know, I should give them the benefit of the doubt. I should learn to manage my emotions better. I shouldn't let them affect me so much. I should be stronger. I should be tougher. And especially if you're a Christian, then you say, well, I should have grace for them. I should be loving towards them. I shouldn't feel negative things towards them. I shouldn't judge them. I shouldn't let my sadness affect my life because I'm supposed to feel joy no matter what my circumstances are, even if someone was really mean to me or if someone picked up on this traumatic experience. If you're out there and you're listening to this and you're telling you're that's your opinion on things when horrible things happen to you or even slightly inconvenient things happen to you that make you upset, that's not true. Like you don't you don't have to fix yourself. Again, you don't have to fix yourself. You just are allowed to be in that emotion, and God is in that with you, and you don't have to gaslight yourself and say you're sorry for feeling something that you have no control over that's the other thing about management of emotions what is that even you can't manage your emotions they just happen (laughs) you can manage what you do with your actions and your words and arguably you should you should wait till you're in a safe environment where you can talk to a friend about it safely but you can't manage your emotions so just first of all, stop trying. And second of all, to the church as a whole, stop, stop telling people to manage their emotions. That's not a thing. Your emotions are just little involuntary things that happen that are signposts along the way to keep you safe. That's what they are. So just feel them and, and don't apologize for them. I want to do a whole pod on gaslighting because I call Becca every day and I'm like, oh, I just gaslight myself again. Doing <laughs> <laughs> it <Yeah>, again. <laughs> one of the top quotes that Katie has when she calls me. I think I'm gaslighting yeah. myself. Yeah. 
Yeah, you are. <laughs> you need to stop. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, I do want to talk about this one a few times this comment came up. Um, and I think it's like really important to hit on tonight, but um, that pastors as counselors instead of mental health professionals or like pastors pretending to be therapists. I think that's a really valid thing. And I think like, if you're like disclaimer, like um, therapy is like one of the best things that I've ever decided to do. And um, I, I love it. It's like, it's hard, but it's so great. And for a long time, I was like, I don't need to go to therapy because I like have a mentor, like a Christian mentor, or I'm in like a church. So I need to figure this out on my own. And that, that again, is the shame building where you're like, oh, like it, I, like church should fix me and going to these things should fix me. So I shouldn't go to counseling. That's like, a, eh. um, but yeah, like pastors are not counselors. Unless you show me a master's degree in counseling with some experience and like, and yeah, it's like another tangent, but like, I even like, I'm very hesitant to even go to like Christian counselors too, because I'm just like, Ooh, I just don't need like someone to tell me to pray more. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm not paying $120 an hour to have someone tell me that. Like there's other people that could tell me that. Um, I mean, I do go to a Christian counselor and they're the, the two that I've been to before, like have been one in Edmonton and one here. I was very upfront of like, I wanted a Christian counselor so they could understand my perspective of like spirituality and faith and how that like really grounds me and guides a lot of my like life. But I just don't want any, like any filtration of that right now. Which is good to like have that like clear, but yeah, Mm -mm. no, 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 no. (laughs) Pastors are public speakers. They're not counselors. No. Unless you're a pastor of counseling, you're not a counselor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's all about the summary of all that. No, (laughs) no, no. Um, but again, like pastors have a great platform to encourage, um, counseling and making that available for people in their congregation and recognizing like, like the three of us were youth workers and in training or in where we do youth ministry, but in our training, it's like, you are like a mentor to these kids, but you are not their counselor. So Mm -hmm. you need to recognize like these things so that you can get them the appropriate help which means you are not gonna fix them and you're not their doctor so I think that's an appropriate like way of looking at it if you're leading a church like you can I think that's a great gift that the church can provide is like really great outlets and like resources that way but hand it to the professionals (laughs) um the last one that we wanted to talk about um was the comment of the way that bad theology can break our mental health and i think that yeah yeah anyone can chime in (laughs) i feel like i could go on for hours about it so i'll just wait my turn (laughs) yeah i was talking with a mentor of mine today um about 
not about this specifically, but it definitely relates. Like, so I've, I've been going through my own thing over the past, whatever, eight months or so. Um, and, and then obviously going through a bit of a faith, like remodeling as I've been calling it. And so I haven't been reading my Bible as much as I once did, which took me some time to not feel shame about and accept about my faith journey in and of itself. Um, but I'm like starting to get back into reading the Bible. And so I read it for the first time on Sunday in a really long time. And even today, like when I was talking with my mentor about like what I got out of reading the Bible, I had to say like, I actually really struggled um, with the fact that I haven't read it since. <laughs> even though it like took me so long to do it for the first time. There's, it's just like this, this ingrained idea in me that if I'm not reading my Bible every day, I'm a bad Christian. Um, I don't understand faith. Um, I shouldn't be in leadership. Like all of these things that I, I don't know, have just been taught to me or they're ideas that I have formed on my own. But yeah, like it's, it's been really good for my mental health to not feel pressured to read the Bible um, but as soon as I like turn around and I like try to start reading it again, I'm automatically like, oh, I'm doing such a bad job. Like it's been four days and I haven't read it again. Um, but this morning I realized I was thinking that and I was like, no, like stop feeling shame for this like journey that you're going on, that this needs to be the situation right now. And like, that's okay. And I had to tell this to my mentor because I'm like, I'm afraid that, I didn't say this, but I'm afraid that there's like going to be judgment because I like tried, but didn't get right back into reading the Bible every day, <laughs> like three times a day because, um, because that's just not where I'm at yet. So yeah, that one sort of like struck a chord for me because <laughs> like literally living that right now, like, yeah not great theology that if you read your bible every day you're like an all-star christian <laughs> so yeah try not to feel shame for just like experiencing the experience that i'm going through right now yeah <laughs> it's crazy how much um shame has come out of toxic theology is what i've been realizing lately and mm -hmm for a long time and that's like Beck and I have been on like a wild ride this year <laughs> as I like to call it <laughs> um and I've just been I've it's so interesting like a lot of shame I felt is because I just feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm not like good enough or whatever I'm not like all these things affect like my relation with God and so like God must hate me because I suck <laughs> and and I'm realizing that it's this like toxic theology that I've been believing that is actually the what's putting something in place between me and God. It's not mm -hmm. me being a bad Christian. It's the things that I believe about what being a good Christian is that aren't true. So it's been really interesting 
peeling back that layer and having this like kind of aha moment of like there's just a lot that I've ingested about Christianity that was very unhealthy and I need to like figure that out (laughs) and and be okay like what you said Becca like being okay with the journey that you're on and not feeling shame in it and just trusting that like God has me on this path and um not letting other people judge you for it mm-hmm. like I think that's a big thing it's like I don't know like I, I think that's a big piece of it too and yeah I don't know I just I think yeah I like what you said a lot like in about like Jesus just with you in it and mm-hmm. as you are and doesn't ask you to be these things first and then he'll help you out <laughs> like God's like no like you can be who you are and faith isn't about fitting into the Christian mold or the church it's about doing life with Jesus and that might not lead you the way that is traditional and that's okay absolutely yeah I think I totally agree with everything both of you are saying and like the first the hard thing too is like we I don't we look up to people if if you've been a Christian for a little while and then you have people in your life who are maybe older than you or um, are definitely further along on their journey than you with God, it's easy to look at the things that they do now with God and think that you have to do those things mm. to otherwise you don't have a relationship with God when the truth is that maybe that person has like 20 years of experience on you and I'm sure if you asked them, they would probably say there was a time in their life where they went like, who knows, six months, eight months, a year without reading the Bible because they just were doing other things and they got busy. And A, that doesn't mean that God abandoned them. I'm sure they'd tell you that too. God didn't abandon them. And that that didn't disqualify them from faith in the long run. And it's a journey of figuring out what yeah, what works for you and Jesus and how, like, yeah, because what works between you and Jesus isn't necessarily what works between someone else and Jesus. And, like, I'm a big scripture girl. I'll, like, sit down and do a devotional for, like, half an hour a day, but it's really, really hard for me to sit down and, like, I don't, I'm, like, pray, like, intentionally for, like, longer than 10 minutes at a time, unless I'm, like, going through a crisis and then I'm actually just laying on my bed crying and being like god why are you letting this happen or whatever um and then that's a little bit easier but you know but then there are some people who like can how who how can pray like and that's their main thing that's what they love to do they spend a half an hour every single night praying and they never get tired of it and they never feel bored and they never get distracted But if you ask them to sit down and read a chapter of their Bible and then write a page in their journal about it, they couldn't do it. And again, and like the thesis of this is like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like you're, 
you are experiencing your life and you're you have a personality skills talents and things that you you're hardwired to be better at and worse at or whatever and god knows those things he actually made you like that mm-hmm. to know like oh man lakin is the type of person who loves to read the bible is going to be the type of person who loves to read the bible and that's how she's going to feel so connected to me but then there's another and but she's going to feel awkward when she like prays out loud for things sometimes so she's going to have to grow a lot in that and that's going to be a journey and there are other people who it's like it's the opposite of that but we're also so young so like that's the other thing too is we always want to have like faith figured out right now we want to be like I always think of myself sometimes I think of myself I'm like I want to be like 40 and have five kids and like a husband and then I want to have be perfect and I want all of us to do the Sabbath together and I want to read the Bible every morning with my husband across the table and then I want us to like pray together every night before we go to bed and I'm like whoa hello that's 20 years down the line and who knows if that's even going to happen so why don't we just say hey God how can I meet with you today right now so I appreciate it all that because and then I do think it's just a pit of like I'm not good enough I'm not good enough I'm not good enough mm-hmm. and that's like not true First of all, it's not true. God doesn't say that about you. And that can very quickly be a slippery slope into depression and anxiety and just yucky feelings all around of shame and frustration at yourself. So I'm with you. Just be on the journey. Ask God for what he wants for you today. And don't worry about what, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is enough worry of its own. That's Matthew, what, 634, I think. And yeah, you, you're allowed to take it one day at a time. And if you're feeling like, I can't do this today, he's not mad at you, I don't think, because he already knew what the day was going to be like. Mm. And he already knew how you were going to react to it. And you already knew all that stuff before you were even born. So relax. <laughs> he's, in his, he's in your stuff with you. I don't know. I said it a million times, but he is. And anything that makes you feel like your faith isn't good enough and then that impacts your mental health is, is, is not of God. That is not of God that's of the enemy and that is lies 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 that are made to make you feel horrible and make you feel distant from god and make you feel distant from other people yeah it's just lies on lies (laughs) i had nod um maybe it would be good (laughs) why don't we each give like i don't know what do we want to leave our friends with (laughs) or share with the world (laughs) And then I feel like we need a part two and three and four and five. So yeah, no kidding. I think my takeaway is what Lakin was saying about God um, not expecting us to be whatever in order for him to meet with us, that God is with us in our anguish and sadness and anger and is just there not asking us to be or feel different um I loved that I think that's so powerful um 
yeah and is just like a thread that as I'm thinking about it like reflecting is a thread that is um really present throughout like the biblical story so yeah I really appreciate that that wise that wise drop um I can go I guess (laughs) um my I don't know my takeaway or or something that I want to leave with is leave you guys with is again I can't say it enough the affirmation that you're fine the way you are even if you don't feel fine (laughs) you're fine Mm -hmm. uh meaning that yeah god is fine with where you are (laughs) none of that was good (laughs) um but (laughs) yeah uh and also i just want to encourage you if you're a person who feels like you have a lot of emotions about a lot of stuff First of all, the fact that over the past year, you've had everything in your life flipped upside down because you're living through like a global pandemic that's like world changing and history making. And you haven't let yourself like feel the weight of all the things you've lost because you've been like, oh, other people have it harder or, oh, well, you know, whatever. Just it like whatever your life circumstances are. If you're not, if you feel like you're stressed, I highly encourage you to get in the shower and turn some music on. It doesn't matter what the music is, but just so that no one could possibly hear you and cry so hard that like snot and saliva drip out of you. Like cry so hard and let your body just like heave with sobbing because there is something so spiritually, I don't know, spiritually releasing about that and you will feel closer to God at the end of it. I hope, because I always do. So maybe that's not a promise, but (laughs) um, allow yourself to spend 10 minutes in the shower, in the privacy, so you don't feel the shame, so you don't feel judgment, whatever it is. Just allow yourself to feel the weight of everything negative. And And I really hope that you find that God meets you there and whether, And I think there's a difference between, I hope that God comforts you. And I think there's a difference between fixing it for you and making you feel better and comforting you. Mm. Because often when I come away from it, I feel like God met me and comforted me, but I don't feel better. I still feel sad. But just knowing he was there, you know, while I was crying, that makes me feel like, you know, at least I'm not alone. And that's comforting to me. Mm -hmm. So that's mostly my experience. But my, yeah, my giveaway to you is permission to cry really, really hard in the shower and not be like, not gaslight yourself and not make excuses and not try to positive your way out of it. Just Mm -hmm. feel really upset about whatever you feel upset about in your life. And then try to do that consistently so that you can feel your weakness so that God can meet you there. That's my encouragement. BRB, going to shower. No, I'm just like... Um... Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot, and um, I think I, I just because I know like a lot of people listening and feeling the shame of like, yeah, just like acknowledging mental health and within yourself, and I like like and just like permission to 
feel that and acknowledge it. Like sometimes I think it's just so helpful to like have someone validate your experience and not just try to put like a bandaid over it, but to say like, no, that's like really hard and really lonely. And um, yeah, like you're not going to find all the answers necessarily in, in um, like outside of yourself. And so I, in that, like, I, yeah, if you are depressed or anxious or um, whatever it is, like seek counseling and seek and go to your doctor and like, and say it. And I remember like, I think it was like five years ago, I like finally like came to this space where I was like, I'm actually not okay. And I've tried everything and I don't know what else to do. And I went to my doctor's office because I was, I'm also anemic, LOL. I feel like every woman is anemic. It's great. Um, and I was like, Kate, I have to tell him that I'm not like good. And then before I left, he was like, is there anything you want to talk about? Anything else? And I was like, that's when I just like broke down. I was like, yeah, actually, I'm just not okay. And it, it was really great, his response. And I, I know maybe this hasn't been the same response for other people who have like been in this journey, but, and I was really fortunate to him just to say like, this is a safe place and I believe you and um, I'm proud of you for saying something and we're going to work on this together. And, and it just felt like I could breathe again of like, oh, like what I'm feeling is actually normal and there's someone in my corner that's going to like help me and get me to a place where I'm okay. And yeah. And like, and I think you mentioned earlier about just like, there's stuff that's like not in your control at all and mm -hmm. things that have happened to you, traumatic things that have happened to you that like, you don't understand how it like alters your brain chemistry. And then you respond in unhealthy ways to things and you don't even know why. And it just perpetuates this like cycle. And like, and that's been a big thing for me is like, oh, like I have trauma from my childhood that I haven't like actually dealt with. And I think that's where the narrative gets like dangerous when it's like, well, Jesus heals you. Like, and he came to me in the midst of my trauma. And so I must be good now. And like, he did that, like he did do a lot of healing but there's a lot more healing that needed to happen. And so I'm learning that now of like, oh, it wasn't enough when I was in grade nine at that conference <laughs> where I put my hand up and Jesus came. I think that it was still a beautiful moment, but there's like another half to that of, yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack there that you need to like figure out. So all that to be said, there's no shame at all in counseling and therapy and medication and whatever it is mm -hmm. and god has obviously gifted people to figure this out of how to help our brain chemistries and how to help like the holistic healing and especially like i feel like when you're in leadership or in these other positions of like people are looking to you and you have to appear like you have everything together mm -hmm. and there was a long time where i didn't want to talk about depression or my anxiety because i didn't want people to think less of me and it's like, no, like you need to, the only way that you're going to love people better and love yourself better and lead people well is if you deal with that and you work on it and invite people into what you're comfortable with. Not saying you have to share everything with everybody, but 
for me, my, the best leaders I've had in my life are the ones that like, were like, yeah, I'm with you. Like I've been there and I'm still there. Mm -hmm. And it just gives you permission to feel like, oh, I can be a human being. (laughs) I don't have to like be this like perfect robotic person, but that's, that's my soapbox for tonight. And that (laughs) I will, I will end there. (laughs) Love it. Well, Lakin, thanks for joining us. Um, We'll have to have you on for parts two through seven of this conversation. (laughs) Katie gave her a standing O once more. Um, Thank you for being our guest. Thanks for having me. And Uh, thank you everyone for, oh, sorry, did I cut you off? Nope. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you everyone for yeah engaging with us as always and sharing your thoughts and experiences I know this one was like heavy and yeah we just want to honor your honesty and say thank you we're with you and yeah please like follow up with us if you have more comments um about what we talked about or you just want to share more with us so we're here for so this little community is here for uh thanks for listening great episode everybody great job all around (laughs) bye bye